He could totally do this. He could alleviate his own hunger. And he says no. Then the devil says, okay, good. And they just sort of like apparate to the top of the temple. And the devil says, throw yourself down from here. Prove that angels will catch you. That's what they do. You are the blessed one. Testing Jesus' security. And again, Jesus says no. We know that Jesus trusts God enough even to take up a cross. That he doesn't want to. That he has fear God might have forsaken him. And in the end, he trusts what God is doing. We know Jesus feels safe with God. And still he says no. For this isn't God's command, but it's Satan's. So then the devil says, look at this. Look at all the world and offer his power over all the kingdoms of the world. He says, you could reign over all of this that would fall at your feet. And again, Jesus says, even though he was there when the world was created, even though all of it is his, he says no. Instead, he says, I offer the kingdom of heaven to those who follow me. Each temptation, food, security, power, it invites Jesus to turn away from God and to go a different way. And every time, friends, we see Jesus say no. And the scripture doesn't tell us what's going through Jesus' mind. I often wish that we had like footnotes that were Jesus' inner dialogue, like that was shot like a documentary. Because you have to wonder if it was an immediate no for Jesus or if he kind of thought of. I'm sure that stone was looking pretty good. After 40 days of hunger and the idea of just having bread right there, right then, sounded pretty good. I'm sure the idea of power, of the entire world at your feet adoring you, looks much better than death upon a cross. I am sure the idea of being rescued in every moment when you're unsafe sounds pretty good compared to some other things. I wonder if Jesus considered these things. Because while we know he's fully divine, he's also fully human. And I know myself, and I consider them. Maybe not the world at my feet part. Ruling is pretty unappealing to me personally. That does not seem like a good view. But stone, or never stubbing my toe, <coughs> sounds pretty good. Bread, when I'm hungry, sounds pretty good. Safety, security, food. Did Jesus' human heart wonder? Did it think about saying? Did part of him want to know without a doubt that he was saved? Did part of him want to test God? Did part of him not long for the respect of the people who will put him to death? I don't know. 
can feel a little weird to read what is the dialogue between Satan and Jesus and wonder, Jesus, why? Why are you having this conversation at all? Why are you entertaining this person? Why are you spending 40 days punishing yourself? But I think for us here today, it's about the 40 days. It's about this thread of wilderness experiences throughout the Bible as we've heard about them throughout Lent. This thread of experiences where Elijah sits in the desert and Jesus feeds the 5,000, where the Israelites wonder for 40 years, where Elijah sits beside a widow preparing for her last meal and the food never runs out, where Jesus finds himself in the desert, in the wilderness, it invites us, friends, to consider the 40 days of Lent as it draws close to being over. We start out the season of Lent with a reminder that we are, in fact, dust. And it's back to dust we shall return. We do that with the burning of last Easter's palms and the mark of the cross being put upon foreheads from those ashes. It reminds us that we are impermanent. And then we get this story of Jesus' own wilderness experience, of Jesus' own 40 days. A story which echoes the wilderness experiences of so many before him. And friends, what I think it tells us is that the wilderness, the 40 days, the 40 years, they're a place of discovery. They are scary and dangerous. They're a place where bodies and minds and souls are tested. They're a place of desolation. They're a place of discomfort and scarcity. Every single one of these 40-day stories are about that. And while we perhaps read this and create in our own head visuals of what wilderness might look like in each of these stories, I can think about how it would look for the world to be filled with water when it rains and it rains. I can imagine a flood because I've seen that. I can imagine Noah and his family on this giant boat, crowded with animals, looking out and not seeing land. I can imagine what it must have felt like to be locked on a boat for 40 days, the seasickness waiting for a rainbow. I can imagine what that artist looks like. I could drive to Kentucky if I ever had a desire to go to Kentucky <laughs> and see the giant ark that they have. I create in my head what it must have looked like for Moses to climb to the top of Mount Sinai. I piped up a mountain or two. I can imagine what it would be like to just sit there and work and chip away and chip away. I too have spent days on ends chipping away at papers and work that I didn't want to be doing. Writing down God's every word. I can picture that in my head. I can picture the Israelites wandering through the desert for 40 days, for 40 years. I can imagine the dust of the barren land, 
I can picture the sun beating down and the bodies tired from endless walking. The difficulty of entering a desert and dying there before ever making it to safety. I can imagine that as I've lived similar experiences hiking through the deserts of Mexico and Arizona to learn about the path that so many immigrants take to enter into the United States. A desert wasteland where you see remnants of those who have made that walk before. I can imagine what it's like to be born in the desert and to never know anything but scarcity and danger. I can draw in my head a comic strip. A comic strip? of Jesus and the devil, but I have a really hard time imagining that realistically. When Jesus meets Satan and they travel to all these places and Jesus is tempted, at best I feel like the dialogue is little word bubbles. And Satan looks like a little red ribbon and Jesus is like karate chopping it every time he says no. <laughs> this one is hard for me to imagine.
about ways we still need to grow. And it takes courage and commitment and diligence, and it is a long three days sometimes. And sometimes we really fail. And luckily, it's a long 40 days. And so you get to try again and again. And if you just totally flub up the whole 40 days, there's always forgiveness and there's always next year. If you think about it, it actually feels kind of doable. If Moses, not Moses, if Noah can sit on an ark for 40 days, <coughs> rocking in an endless ocean, and if Moses can live on top of a mountain, chiseling away rocks, if Elijah can survive fasting in the desert and befriending a widow, if Jesus can stomach 40 days with the devil himself, then maybe we can survive 40 days of looking at the worst parts of ourselves. Maybe 40 days of praying more, or loving more, or being more thankful, or whatever spiritual discipline or thing you decided to change during Lent is doable. Maybe Jesus enduring 40 days of just pure unpleasantness is relatable. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit takes Jesus into the wilderness, but what it doesn't tell us is that the Holy Spirit leaves. Which means we have to assume that the Holy Spirit takes him and stays with him. Which means we then have to assume that the Holy Spirit stays with us. When we do venture into the wilderness in the 40 days, we don't face the wilderness alone, friends. At every moment, the Israelites were in the desert wandering. At every moment, Elijah sat hungry as the widow prepared the last meal for her and her son. As Jesus fed the 5,000, at every moment, the Holy Spirit was there. We are not alone in our attempts to take on desert and dry places. We live in community. There are people sitting around you right now. And this means that Christians across the world, that the people in the pews with you, they too are journeying in the wilderness for 40 days. Even if theirs doesn't look like yours, the Holy Spirit goes with them, goes with It empowers and it sits with us so we're not facing things that feel dangerous and scary and unholy As we move towards the end of Lent, friends, many of us might be tired. I'm really tired. Tired of the thing that I gave up that I want to add back into my life already. Tired of the thing I said I would do again that I don't want. I ran out of things to my mom told me that her Lenten practice was adding a card a day. So she's been writing cards to people. But she finished her 40 cards like two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, this is kind of cheating. <laughs> you have to do more now. <laughs> For some of us, 